0: Welcome to Engaging ESG, the new podcast that considers what it takes to get ESG comms right and how it can go oh so wrong. From fears of greenwashing and systemic bias to the backlash against woke investing, the risk of getting ESG wrong can be high, but so can ignoring the concerns of employees, consumers, and our planet. I'm Jennifer Owens, former External Content Strategy Lead for Meta
1: Sustainability. And I'm Katie Callens, former Head of Sustainability Engagement at Meta. In this 10-part series, we'll delve into the complexities of ESG communications by tackling your toughest inquiries. We'll explore the pitfalls and opportunities and share practical answers you and your team can use today as you navigate the evolving landscape of environmental, social, and governance topics. Let's get started.
0: and welcome to episode seven of Engaging ESG. Today, we're focusing on our customers, your customers, all of our customers, you know, the ones who in the end will decide whether your business is actually a successful business and more and more have a lot to say about how your brand talks or doesn't talk about diversity and sustainability issues.
1: Yes, and a reminder, if you're joining us for the first time, please do check out our earlier episodes. We provide a lot of foundational information around the concepts of ESG and some of the things we'll be talking about in detail today. And we'd love if you could give us a star rating and also help us grow by sharing our show with your favorite ESG professional.
0: Oh, yes, please do. So, you know, Katie, today we're going to break down Black Lives Matter, Me Too, Pride Month, Equal Pay Day, Indigenous People's Day, all the days. We're going to set them up. We're going to knock them down. So are you ready for that? Okay, so the theme
1: of this week is calendar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, well, okay, so not really, but we are going to talk about the many, many ways that companies choose to show up and how they visibly show to their customers on various ESG-related topics. This is important to us, or we stand with this community but also how they can stumble and fall when their statements don't actually match their actions.
1: Yeah, that's right. When it comes to your customers, they're really looking for alignment around ESC strategy with the customer expectations. So as we've noted in the past, you know, it's really important to ensure that your statements and actions are in harmony with what customers are expecting. And customers today, honestly, are more conscientious and informed about topics around diversity, sustainability, social issues than really ever before. And they want to see that you as an organization have an authentic commitment and you're making really meaningful action from the brands they support. As they say, if you don't have something authentic to say, maybe don't say it at all.
0: <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Isn't that what your mom used to say? <laughs> all the time, yeah. If you don't all speak with an
1: authentic voice, do not put out that press release,
0: sweetie. That's exactly, my mom would actually <laughs> say that. And to me, having been in the content world for a long time, that this is such a change from previous decades because it all this always reminds me that back in the 90s, when I was covering retail labor and manufacturing for Women's Wear Daily, there was a big push by the Clinton administration to combat sweatshops and also child labor in the rug making area sweatshops in the apparel making area and part of that push there was this you know we're going to feature made in America on hang tags and this was going to be a way to drive consumer engagement customer choice but every research report that came out found that despite the consumer poll saying, yes, we really care. This is important to us. It wasn't changing consumer behavior. It was still driven by price. And so my gut always says, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is really going to push people.
1: Yeah, no, that's really helpful context because honestly, hearing that, I'm a little bit surprised. I yeah. think. yeah. My experience working in this field for the past decade has been pretty different. I think that the customers are a lot more aware of these topics and how companies are showing up. And when customers question a company's ESG strategy, it honestly can have really significant implications for brand reputation, loyalty, and ultimately the bottom line. So I'm excited that today we're talking a little bit more about exploring how companies can navigate these challenges and really build trust with their customers. I think it's super important.
0: It's so important now. Yep. Yeah. And so, So, yeah, can we get started on some scenarios? Exactly. Yeah. So I was thinking what we could do is talk
1: through, you know, as a company you're making maybe a bold new statement around sustainability or DNI. And, you know, we always applaud that move, but with everything, when we talk about ESG, you know, engaging ESG here, we're going to ask some things first, and some of these will sound familiar for those of you who have heard other episodes. But first of all, when it comes to this big commitment, have you done your homework to develop your company's core values and goals relating to sustainability? Do they align? This
0: is a new question for us. I hadn't thought of, no. this we, we see this in every episode. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing the work to achieve your goals?
1: Mm. Both of us have spent time inside different companies and kind of depending on company culture, sometimes companies are excited to talk about this work early on, like right when it's starting. And sometimes people want to make sure that you have a lot of data and proof of concept. And so no matter where your kind of comms, comfortability is in talking about things, where they are in the in the progression of that goal and that work, just make sure that you're very clear in the communications about what has been completed what still needs to happen so that there isn't uh, misinformation in that regard. Yeah. Another way to really ensure that there is authenticity and kind of the right amount of forethought going into this is, have you brought in a third party to Mm. track or audit your work? Can you provide concrete evidence or tangible results? And then another question that I like to always keep in mind is, how does this goal or commitment that you are making as an organization compare to your peers. Wow. That can be really valuable for just trying to educate perhaps executives or folks about what the response will be. I know sometimes companies come out with a big announcement and they're expecting a bunch of fanfare, right. but quite frankly, as far as the <laughs> industry goes, there may be a little bit of a laggard on this topic. And so- yeah you might be doing all the right things. You might have the data, you might have the goal, you might be mission aligned and you still maybe won't get a lot of coverage. And that could just be where you and your peers are on this kind of maturity scale.
0: Well, cause news is about, is new, you know? Right. So <laughs> if you're talking about a commitment, say net zero, that was really hot. I mean, when, when did all those net zero big be- goals get stated? Was that like two years ago, three years
1: ago? Yeah, I would say like three to five years ago. It was pretty, it was pretty novel because we were moving away from this concept of just like carbon neutrality and just kind of saying like, I'm going to focus on my direct operations. The big news with net zero was I'm going to focus on, you know, my entire value chain, thinking about supply chains and things that quite frankly are a lot harder for
0: companies to directly impact and therefore show a higher level of ambition. And so those, that, like just having one or just moving into your value chain is no longer new to a news reporter. Though right. maybe if you're in an industry that hasn't had uh, big commitments in that area, it is news. You know, it changes for mm-hmm. each scenario. But yeah, I think just you know, know your market. Yeah, prep your your leadership. If you're the laggard in this area, you you know you may get a paragraph somewhere, but.
1: Well, and one thing to say on that too is if you do an announcement like this and you've done all the right things and you're not getting a lot of attention and perhaps there's individuals in your organization that are unhappy about that, look at that as an opportunity if they want to be getting more attention for the work right. that they're doing, maybe that's where you can come in and say, well, you know, there's actually a couple other aspects of our ESG strategy where we could be leaders, where we could where move we the are needle. Fresh. And yeah. maybe those, maybe you've been getting a lot of headwinds for that. And then you can use this as kind of a carrot to, to broaden those conversations for if that's sure. what they're looking
0: for. Cause this all works in the diversity, equity, inclusion space as well. Right. And, Back in the day, my team did benchmarking reports. We did these big company assessments and we would be called in and to do a report back and it would be the company versus the whole or through their their particular peer group or they'd pick certain aspects of the, the research we had to compare themselves to. You all know how benchmarking works, but <laughs> that's what they wanted to know. How do we compare to? How do we... And It took me uh, one cycle of it to realize that it was always the folks, uh, because we were talking with the HR teams and the workforce strategies teams would bring us in, they wanted the third party to tell their leadership who would be in the room, you guys are lagging because they hate to lag. They want to be leaders. So using that comparative set was always very powerful for the internal people who already knew they were lagging. They just loved having a third party come in and say, yeah, did you know you guys are lagging? Because we we were always heard more loudly than the internal folks. So, Right.
1: Always good just to reference to the someone line. outside of the org that gives legitimacy to the claim.
0: Exactly. So that said, if you're going to make a claim, whether in sustainability, diversity, whatever you're doing, just know that someone's going to want to see your homework. And There are tools out there called social media that it's going to make it very easy if you're making a claim that's too far from the homework you can show, That's you've gone way far out on the branch from the trunk of the data you can share, you're going to be hanging out there on that branch. And the customers have a lot of easy tools to not only question your claims, but also gather others who would like to spread that word. Definitely. And so the
1: format of the episode today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to not only talk about the concept, but actually go into some really specific examples of how we've seen this happen with other companies. Consequences. Yeah, the specificity (laughs) is always helpful for me when I'm learning about new concepts. Yep. So the first one I'm going to start us off with today is the Volkswagen emission scandal. Many of you listening might remember that. You know, in 2015, Volkswagen faced a really major crisis when it was revealed that they had installed software in its diesel vehicles that were designed to manipulate emissions tests. Oh, not good. Uh,
0: The scandal,
1: you know, it had significant impact on VW's reputation, raised a bunch of questions about the company's commitment to sustainability there were also major financial consequences for Volkswagen. They were hit with massive fines and settlements totaling billions with a B of dollars. And there was a bunch of leadership changes. Several executives at the company, top executives, that is, were forced to resign. And the company faced significant legal and regulatory consequences. So I think that's a great example of you know the importance of transparency and accountability and communicating yeah. sustainability efforts and that that is... You know, happening throughout the organization, because I'm sure it just wasn't one or two individuals that created that software tool and put it in. It took many teams and many leaders signing off on it
0: as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a harsh example, but that is really a message that didn't meet reality. And right. Yeah. And whew, that one was rough. And the example I w- wanted to give is a little bit more current in talking about. A newsletter called Popular Information. And in 2021, it went looking and it found that 25 companies that like to raise the rainbow flag have donated more than $10 million to anti-LGBTQ plus federal and state politicians over the past two years. And they named names, as in CVS, AT&T, Walmart, and Comcast. And so- you, know, you talk about bringing in third-party verifiers. Many of the corporations have uh, 100% ratings on the Human Rights Campaign Corporate Equality Index, which is very respected. And it that measures workplace policies and a public commitment to the LGBTQ community, but it doesn't take political donations into account. And I can tell, I mean, we used to look at, the HRC index all the time and kind of learn how they were doing their assessments and the like. But th- the assessments can't do all the work. They can't find everything. And when we were doing our best company's assessments, we didn't look at, we couldn't get pay information. So if a company was paying their women significantly less, I couldn't see it. I didn't have transparency into that. So just saying that every assessment has its limitations. But also, if you are going to fly the rainbow flag, please do not be giving to organizations or politicians who are anti-LGBTQ+. I mean, that's, that's a dissonance there. These are big gaps between what you're trying to say and what's actually happening. So where do you think the gap comes from?
1: Yeah, you know, as we've noted before, I think it's probably likely that these companies aren't aligned internally on their ESG goals and narrative. And then, you know, even if you are, it takes a lot of kind of feedback loops for constant communication across your enterprise to make sure all aspects of your business In the case of the 25 companies, including your policy team, are working towards the same goals. I think as organizations get bigger and their operations get more diverse, it can be hard to keep track of where everything is going. But so having both, you know, uh, leadership support at the top, as well as people in lower and mid levels, understanding what the priorities are can help with that alignment but yeah. it's, it's going to be, I think it's a constant challenge for any company. I would assume that no company says this is easy, but <laughs> then, you know, it comes to down to like a really important question, which is how does this advance our narrative? You know, it's yeah. a good test, I'd say.
0: Well, and you know, we're talking, we're, we're like in this these examples, it's kind of like the marketing team was caught unawares, but we can flip the script too and talk about when a marketing team can go a bit rogue and make claims that are too bold. And um, I was actually at the Bloomberg Green Summit and this example was brought to bear and it was from Ryan Ryanair. And in 2020, Ryanair ran ads that claimed them to have the lowest carbon emissions of any airline. That was her claim. And it big was basically, statement. yeah, it, really big of really every airline in the world. Great based on CO2 emissions per passenger per kilometer flown, because it had the youngest fleet, highest proportion of seats filled on flights, and newest, most fuel efficient engines. So that's interesting, you know, like, they're trying to back up their claim. So here comes the Advertising Standards Authority, and they say, hey, um, can you prove this claim? And so it turned out that one of the charts that Ryanair presented to the ASA to back up the claim was dated 2011. And so this watchdog group said that was of little substantiation for a comparison made in 2019. And it said, in addition, some well-known airlines did not appear on the chart, so it's not clear whether they were measured. And they also failed to factor in seating density, which is the number of seats per plane. The airline ran the low emissions ad campaign just over five months after it became the first non-coal company to be named to the EU top carbon emitters list. So there's a gap for you. So (laughs) the Advertising Standards Authority banned the ads, ruling they were misleading because the airline had failed to substantiate its environmental claims. So... Here we go. What happens when customers or the advertising standards authority calls you out?
1: Yeah, I think it can be a really tough moment for companies <laughs> and you know, in this particular example, there's a lot of soul searching that probably need to happen on the side of the organization why they could keep promoting this this narrative, but more broadly, if you're faced with this type of situation where it comes out and claims yeah. or narrative is not aligned it's a really important moment to kind of pause and reflect, but also listen when we talk about other forms of stakeholder engagement with your employees, investors, policymakers, listening is always going to be key to building an open and honest dialogue. And so the goal here as with other situations is really to build a sense of authenticity and trust. And that really comes from prioritizing customer feedback and if appropriate, involving them in the decision-making process and really being upfront around the fact that there was a problem yeah. and it's going to be solved. So not sugarcoating it, telling the truth, apologizing. And then as you work through this process of how you're going to rectify and fix things, sharing lessons learned. Because it's highly likely that the challenge that you went through is something that another organization in your industry or your peer group might go through as well. And so I think companies that are really thoughtful about this can switch the narrative from like, oh, you know, we, we said a wrong or bad thing unintentionally to like right. really sharing like, okay, well, here's what we learned. And here's how we're going to make a change. And that really can Add a lot more credibility after your company has gone through these tough times and has had some really tough customer scrutiny and really has the potential to redefine your brand and strengthen your strategy long term if done well.
0: So, uh, just to confirm, you wouldn't suggest shooting environmentalists like the Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary once did?
1: Oh, no. No, I would (laughs) not.
0: Let's not shoot anyone, okay? We have enough issues with gun violence in this country. To be fair, he has since changed his stance a little bit. He said, frankly, 20, 30 years ago, we all thought the environmentalists were a bunch of nutters, you know. Clearly, it's moved front and center. It's something that our customers and the people working here at Ryanair want us to focus on, and we tend to be very responsive, which what I love about that is that he's saying who pushed him to to change, the customers and the employees. Two of right. the stakeholders groups we've talked about. Exactly. So Moving the know, needle, clearly. He, here we go. He has other thoughts, but I just love the idea that even he, this guy, even he feels the, the pressure of empl- employees and customers to make a change.
1: For sure. As I noted earlier, customers today are really more aware and vocal about their expectations from companies Than ever before. And so we all need to take this seriously. These stakeholder groups are watching, they care, they're noting, they're also talking to each other. And, you know, these case studies highlight the importance of authenticity and transparency when we're thinking about an ESG comm strategy customers expect you as a company to live up to your stated values and to take tangible actions that align with their ESG commitments. Because if you're not, then that really draws the question of in what other parts of your organization are you not aligned?
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's not enough for companies to make empty statements or engage in token gestures. And we all see it. And you know, you roll your eyes when you're like, really? And so if I'm doing it and I'm the one thinking that it didn't have pressure, the pressure didn't force change a couple decades ago, then you are wrong because the customers today are demanding accountability and they want to see tangible change. They want to see you act fast and act with authenticity. And so you need to be proactive in addressing your customer concerns and, um Ensuring that it matches with all that work you've done with your ESG messaging up until right now for this episode.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think this conversation sets us up really nicely for our next episode, which is talking about some different categories of misleading communications that folks who are listening have probably heard of. I'm talking about greenwashing, I'm talking about diversity washing. Rainbow washing is a new term I've learned recently. And also the other side of it, which is not talking about these topics as much. An example of that is green hushing. So just wanted to give everyone a little bit of a heads up of where we're going next week. And thank you so much for joining us once again on Engaging ESG. Stay tuned for a discussion of
0: all things washing next week. You won't want to miss (laughs) it. And keep engaging. Thank you for joining us on Engaging ESG. Have a question for us to consider or a strategy you'd like us to cover? Email us today at engagingesg@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Engaging ESG today. It helps us grow, and even better, be sure to share the podcast with your favorite sustainability, diversity, or social impact colleague. And until next time,
0: keep engaging.